Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Tell someone good morning, have a seat, grab your Bible, open to Luke chapter 11. I, um, uh, camera person, I'm going to be walking a little bit today, so I apologize ahead of time. If you're online, I'm sorry, God's doing something in here. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Good morning, Revival Life Church. Good morning, Revival Life Church. I uh, ha, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, I am, I am. Um, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the devil is defeated. I'm telling you, the devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. Something happened this week, was in warfare, whoa, and, uh, and uh, just uh, decided at some point enough is enough, enough is enough, amen? You ever get to the point where enough is enough? Enough is enough, hallelujah, hallelujah. This week, uh, you know, just focus on Jesus, listen to my words. Uh, this past Monday was uh, Martin Luther King Day. Marched uh, with, uh, we went from Ebenezer Baptist Church to um, Miser Amphitheater. Wow. Uh, declaring, uh, just, just standing in, uni- in unity with what uh, Dr. King believed that Jesus came to do, and that is to set people free. Can you believe it was just the 50s and 60s that people were like denied seats on a bus based on the color of their skin? Is that, is that like crazy to think about or what? Is it like, is like and, and not like, not like that covert kind of, Racism where, you know, if you don't like somebody's accent or maybe they don't dress a certain way. We're talking about overt racism in this country where like people it was given you couldn't. Like, can you imagine going to a bathroom and saying you can't come into this bathroom? You're the wrong color. Can, like, can you even conceive of that possibility? Like that's I couldn't I can't imagine. Can you imagine that? I, I can't imagine that. But that was a, that was a world that people today alive today lived in like. Martin Luther King was younger than Betty White. Like, 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 this is not like ancient history. This isn't like we're talking about ancient Israel here. And um, when, when uh, Martin Luther King was 26, in, wow, in 1955, uh, he, was, he started the, the, the boycott, the bus boycott in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And um, if you remember, whoa, whoa, that was over busing. It was over, the people of Montgomery said, Hey, listen, uh, we're, we're, we're paying for this bus system and we can't even sit where we want to sit. This is, this is crazy. We're not using your buses until, until you drop this in, insane policy. And uh, uh, in the middle of that, it, it took a full year, the bus boycott. People were walking everywhere for like a year. And in the middle of that, Martin Luther King, who's 26 years old, and his wife tells the story about it. In the middle of this campaign... He's sitting in the church and like he was almost completely given to depression and despair because he was convinced that he was not accomplishing anything. He was worried that he had taken all these people this far to take this many risks and it was all going to amount to nothing. Hear me, Martin Luther King, 1955, he had no idea what was to come. All he could see was he was in the middle of this battle and despair had overcome him because he had not seen the victory yet and he was fearful that things would never work out like he had envisioned. Now, aren't you glad that people like Dr. King didn't give up in the midst of the despair? But I feel like, amen, come on. And and I feel like, you know, we go on these marches today and people put up the Martin Luther King quotes and that's only because we know the whole story now. Now we know the whole story, and now now we can bite, we can grab on the bits and pieces of it that appeal to where we're at. Whoa! But but he didn't know the whole story at the time, and and and, and I feel like sometimes we're in the middle of the process, unable to see the full story of what God is doing in our life, and that same despair comes upon us. There was a sovereign call on Dr. King's life to change our country, and I would say the world for the good, but in the midst of the warfare, he couldn't see it. He's amen. 
And sometimes we are in the midst of the demonic attack to destroy what God has assigned us to do. And the, the present circumstances will overshadow what's happening and will miss the full story. Today's devotions as a, wow, as Pastor, wow, Pastor Tracy was talking about our 21 days of devotion, quoted Isaiah 58 verse 6, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. This was today's devotion. And, and, and this is the call that Jesus identified with out of the prophet Isaiah that He would come and set people free. You say amen. Come on. Can you say amen? Come on. We're going we're gonna to get free today in here. God is going to bring some freedom today. This is the whole story of the Bible. The whole story of the Bible is God who has come to set people free from the power of the devil, to break the yoke of the wicked one, to bring liberty to captives. This is the story of the Bible. And, 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 and as we enter into this new year, it's still January. Those of you who've already failed in your New Year's resolution, there's still time. It's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like the five second rule, right? Like it's not quite into February yet. You can double down and just give it a little more go at that change you wanted to make this year. And, and it's important today that we're building our lives, our plans, our futures, on the truth of God's Word and who God has called us to be. It's important to find our life story in the life story of Jesus. I, I, am, I am so encouraged this morning. I, I, I can't, can you turn me up just one little bit, uh, Valentino? I feel like my throat is a little dry. I'm screaming already. Haven't even started. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it, it's important that we find our life story in the life story of Jesus. And the problem I'm seeing today, I'm seeing so many believers caught up in bondage because they don't really know the Bible. They do not know the true story of God. They do not understand His true plan as revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. And therefore, they get some sort of other alternative story as a life mission, not understanding that it will not bring the freedom, nor the liberty, nor the fulfillment that only God has promised us. And we, as students of the Word of God, as students of the Bible, as students of the living Word, Jesus Christ have to know, we have to know, He said, my people die for lack of knowledge. We do not know who we're called to be. So we just invent something and expect God to bless it and then get terribly disappointed when we find out we can't make a God and have Him do what we want Him to do. We have to know God's story. And here's the good part. His story is better than anything you could make up. The story of the living God is better than any story Hollywood has ever written. It's better than any dream you've ever had. It's better than any fantasy you could ever concoct for yourself. Now, it may cost more than a movie or cost more than a night's sleep, but the payback is better than anything you could ever fantasize. Amen. The king of the world wants to live on the inside of you and give you power over every power of darkness. That is the story of our relationship with God. But we have to want what God wants. We have to want what God wants. We're co-authoring our story with Jesus. And we gather together in church to learn this story. To learn the story of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and we come to, to learn the story so we can find our story within it. And we come to co-mingle with other believers so we can hear how God is working in their lives so we can see the full picture of who God is. Just like we read the four Gospels to see four different viewpoints of Jesus. We need other believers. We need to gather and worship with other believers so we can see the story that God is co-authoring in other lives as well. So we can fully round out our lives and fully share Jesus with other people. 
And today we're picking up our story in Luke chapter 11 as we search the Word of God for truth. And uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there to Luke chapter 11. We're going to kind of, kind of, I'm going to back up and take a little running start at this, if that's all right. We talked, uh, hey, hey, you enjoy yourselves last week with, with Mario coming here, prophesying? Did you, you enjoy that? Did you get, anybody get a good word? If you got a good word, I'd like you to send it to me. I'd like to hear it and judge it and pray with you over it. Uh, some people got some good words. We had a, we had a, I don't know if I told you this last week, we had a, uh, the Revival Kids workers were over at my house and uh, a couple other people and uh, he came to minister and we just kind of hang out and minister and uh, he prophesied over each person for 26 minutes on average. And I was like, Sunday morning, you can't do this, bro. We don't, we don't got that kind of time. You're going to have to reel it in a little bit on Sunday morning. We don't got that kind of time. But, uh, uh, but a, lot of, a lot of good words were given to a lot of good people. I hope you felt encouraged. You feel encouraged? Yeah, you feel encouraged? Good, 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 good. So Luke chapter 11, are you with me in the Word of God here? Yeah? Luke chapter, don't you love the Word of God, Duke? Don't you love it? Don't you love how Jesus reveals himself through his Word, by his Spirit? Don't you love it? I just love it. I love, the, I love, I love God. Don't, 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 don't you love God, Brandon? Don't you love his Word? Diane, do you ever just experience the life of God as you open the Word of God? Don't you just... Don't you just read the Bible and the Spirit of God is right there and say, look, look at this, look at that, look at that. And you're just like it comes alive on the inside of you. Don't, don't you love that? Don't you love when you share the Word of God with someone and it comes alive inside of them? You ever like, like talk to people who don't know God at all and you share some scripture with the anointing on it and like you see something pop on the inside of them? Don't, don't you love that, dude? Don't, isn't, that, isn't that life? You just see that life hit them and something in their spirit is like, oh, I've been waiting for this. You know what I'm talking about, Diane? Has it been a minute? I feel like some people, it's been a minute since you've seen that. And it's like, come on. It's like maybe the life that you're missing is the life you need to be sharing. Like you're like, you're like, you're waiting for it to come alive in you. But really, you're going to get it when you get it alive in somebody else. You know, that's the life that we're to be partaking in. See, Jesus is the resurrection. And there's an aspect of his life that we only experience when we watch him resurrect someone else. Like, you're like, you're like oh, I want more of him. You've already been resurrected. You're going to have to see that resurrection in someone else at some point. That's the only way you're going to get it. Okay, that's, that's a good word right there. So we see here in Luke chapter 11, Jesus they asked Jesus, you know, to teach them to pray. And, uh, and, and, and he teaches them what, what they call the Lord's Prayer. But it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's our prayer. Like, Jesus didn't need instructions on how to pray. Like, he was prayer. Like, he's God. He, he didn't need to be taught how to. That's our prayer. That's a disciple's prayer, right? And so, I, I, I pray it every day. Um, like I said, I pray it every day. Because, you know, I'm not sure I get stuff right a lot. You know, a lot of uh, unsureties in the world, but I know I got that prayer right. And so I like to pray it, just get a little assurance. I pray through it, just like I taught a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you are really curious, like, how do I learn how to pray? Listen to that message on life-changing prayer and, uh, and, and, and learn how to pray and begin praying, have a prayer life with God. And uh, so, so here he teaches, he teaches the, the, the disciples how to pray. And here's what's interesting. He's, he, he explains it more in Matthew. But here in Luke, uh, he, he teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he doesn't stop talking there. If you have one of the fancy Bibles, the words are still in red here. And then he goes on after he teaches them this prayer. In, in, in Matthew, at the very end, he, uh, he says, you know, lead us not into temptation, for, you know, uh, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, but in Luke, he doesn't, Luke didn't add that little bit at the end. Instead of adding that bit, he just lived it. Let me say this again. At the end of Matthew, he ends the prayer uh, for we forgive our debts as 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 uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, who sinned against us. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom power. But in Luke, he says, for we ourselves are for, also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. He ends there, but he doesn't include the prayer. Deliver us from evil. Instead, he shows somebody getting delivered from evil. He shows, he shows, okay, so first he teaches them, okay, so, so say, uh, say, say you need some food and uh, at midnight and you go to your neighbor and you say, hey, I need some food, right? Won't, won't he deliver it? Uh, absolutely. So he teaches them, go ahead and trust. 
And then he goes and starts casting out devils. Right? So he illustrates the trust in God for everything you need. Then he starts casting out devils. He's like, this is, this is what you should be believing God for. Is that making sense? So he just starts, he just goes right into, just, just right into how do we apply this, this God to our life? See, Luke, Luke, for Pentecostals, Luke Acts is like our Bible within the Bible. They call it the canon within the canon. We, we, we learn theology, then we learn what you're supposed to do with it. For us, this is the center of the Bible. This is what you know about Jesus. This is what you're supposed to do with that knowledge, right? And so we see here in Luke, instead of him doing a whole lot of teaching, he does a little bit of teaching and then a lot of doing. Right? We, we, we believe that you're supposed to be some doing. It's supposed to be some doing to be a Christian, right? Christian's supposed to be doing. It's, it's, not, it's not, you know, it's like we're supposed to be active in our faith. But here's where it's all predicated on. Here, here's, where, here's where all of Luke starts to shift. Right here at the end of his teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Right here in uh, verse, verse 13. First he talks about, hey, your father, if you ask him for good stuff, he's going to give you good stuff. And let me tell you what good stuff looks like. He says, verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? When's the last time you asked the Father to fill you with the Spirit? When's the last time you asked? I mean, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, and Jesus is like, if you really want good stuff from God, then you're going to want the Spirit. You're going to want the Holy Ghost to fill you. You're going to be praying, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled to overflowing with the overghost. And as we're talking today about spiritual victory, we cannot overemphasize. It's impossible to overemphasize how desperately we need to be filled with God's Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit. Two weeks ago, we talked about when the place is left empty, the enemy comes back sevenfold. I want my place to be full already. I want the enemy to show up and say, oh, that place is already occupied. I There's no room at the inn for me there. I need to go somewhere else. I need it to be full. You see, Luke is very concerned. There, there, there's, there's orthodoxy, which is right belief, and then there's orthopraxy. Doing the right stuff. Orthodoxy, believing the right stuff. Orthopraxy, doing the right stuff. And when you don't have the right stuff to do, you only think about the right stuff to believe. When a church no longer believes in the miraculous, they'll make the mundane miraculous. When they don't see a move of the Spirit, the actual living breathing God in their lives, they will elevate church stuff that isn't really supernatural at all. And so they'll start making supernatural things like, well, I don't want to go down that road. That's not, that's not encouraging. But let us just say there are disciplines you're supposed to have that are not supernatural. They're natural, that keep you clean. We are supposed to see a move of God in our lives. We're supposed to see the supernatural. And Jesus here said that we're supposed to ask for a filling of the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? Are we, are we okay here today? I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more encouraged. I'm getting louder because I'm, I know where this is going and I'm pretty excited. And uh, I hope you're going with me here. Listen, this is the big event that Jesus was talking about. It was greatly God's desire that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. But that is not the end of the story. The rest of the book does not, after the gospel, say how to study the gospels. The rest of the book after the end of John is all about what now do you do with this Holy Ghost who has come to live on the inside of you and empower you to do kingdom work. How do you live as a member of the kingdom? How do you survive? How do you interact with other people? How do you overcome the plans of the devil? You see, the devil is spirit. You can only overcome the enemy by the spirit. There's no work of the flesh that will defeat the enemy. It's only a supernatural work that will overcome a spiritual being. And if we're ignorant to the things of the spirit, then the spirit will overcome us and make us do things in the flesh that do not honor God. Does that make sense? And so we need to be people of the spirit so we can understand what God has called us to do so we can overcome the works 
of the enemy. I hope, I hope, this, is, I hope this is landing because this is a big deal right here. Come on, somebody. Listen, the big event, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need to lean into the Spirit. We, 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 we as a people, in 2022, we need to lean into the Spirit. We, 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 need to, we need to lean into God in prayer. We need to be praying more. We need to be putting the burden of this world on God more. We need to let, hear me, this is a word for somebody, let your intercession begin to carry the burden of your life. As you're planning and plotting how things are going to work out because you are so convinced that the failures of the past are predicting failures of the future, you need to let your intercession, instead of being connected to your past, be connected to heaven. And let heaven's promises in your life carry the burdens of the lies of this world. I might be preaching to myself right now. Come on, somebody. I know God is talking. I know God is talking. Listen, here, here, here you know, when, when you're truly in intercession, when you're truly praying with the Spirit of God, you, it turns our hearts away from our own interest toward God's interests. We begin praying things that benefit God instead of just praying things that benefit us. We, and you know, as, as we begin to pray, as, as, as we begin to really seek God and have victory over the enemy, we, we, have, to, we have to resist the devil. We, we have to guard our hearts. We have to exercise our faith. These three things are what's needed for 2022. You need to resist the devil. You need to guard your heart and exercise your faith. I'm going to talk more about that at a later date. I'm going to say it one more time so you can start to pray into it. Resist the devil. Guard your heart. Exercise your faith. So often we just accept. We're just ignorant. Like the devil's at work in our, in our lives and in our families and we're just calling it sickness or we're just calling it, oh, I'm just so confused. Like, no, that's the devil. God is not the author of confusion. If you're confused, the devil is at work and we need to resist the devil. It's not that hard. We need to recognize the wiles of the devil. We need to guard our hearts. We need to exercise our faith. Hear me. Spiritual warfare is not some weird, spooky thing where stuff you know, weirdly breaks and and, and devils come falling down. Spiritual warfare is leveraging everything God has equipped us with against everything that opposes God's purposes. We leverage everything that God has equipped us with to oppose everything that opposes God's purposes. And, and this is how we're supposed to be praying. We're praying as disciples of Jesus. And let me tell you, you can write this down. You know you're a disciple of Jesus when you find yourself praying and doing what's best for others. You know you're a disciple of Jesus when you find yourself praying and doing what's best for others. One of the greatest cancers in the church today is a cancer at work in our country. And that's people doing whatever they think is best for themselves. Every man for himself. We are on our own, and I don't mind destroying other things if it works out better for me. I'll do a business deal. I know you'll lose, but I'll win, and that's all that matters. There is an absence of morality in our society today that says if it makes me richer, it must be okay. And there is an absence of morality in the church that says if it makes me feel better, it must be okay. Friend, this is not what a disciple of Jesus looks like. A disciple of Jesus lays down their life for someone else. A disciple of Jesus says, I will lose out if I know it will help the kingdom of God. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you will find yourself praying things that you don't want to actually be praying. You'll find yourself doing things you may not actually want to be doing. You may be serving some people. You, you may keep your mouth shut about situations just so you don't cause more problems. This, 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 this is how we demolish strongholds. This is how we demolish strongholds. 
See, we don't understand strongholds today because the metaphor is a, a warfare metaphor from a day gone by where when you would have a castle on top of a hill at the opening of a port, and it'd be impossible to climb that cliff to get to the castle. And so you couldn't get a ship into the port because the, they had a stronghold there that you couldn't release them from. There was no way to get to them. There's a, there's a place of authority that's above you that you couldn't get to. And because you had this fortified location with these troops, it was almost impossible to get into the place that God wanted you to have because the enemy had a stronghold there. And it's this metaphor that the Bible talks about the enemy having strongholds in our lives. It's when we've elevated something so high above God's truth and the enemy now has a stronghold there. And we can't get them out of our lives because in order to get the enemy out of there, we got to get the whole stronghold out. And that's a maybe a lie that we believe or some sort of self-promotion that we have accepted. Or maybe it's a defeatist strategy in your mind. Maybe, maybe it's a lie that you think God doesn't actually want you to get ahead. And so the enemy has a stronghold there. And every time you start to get ahead, you sabotage it because you're convinced that God doesn't want you to get ahead. Or, or possibly there's a, a sin in your life. And in order for the enemy to get out of your life, you're going to have to give up that sin. And so since you won't give up the sin, the enemy has a, a stronghold. Or maybe it's a bad attitude. It's a, you think you have a right to judge people or a right to gossip or any kind of these sins of the, of the mouth or the mind that, uh, or the heart that Jesus talked about so frequently. And we don't want to give that up. And so the enemy now has a right to a position in our life. And the Bible calls that a stronghold. Literally, I want you to think about this. You have built a castle for the devil in your life. And you put it on a high hill that God can't get to. And then we complain to God because we're not getting ahead. This is where we live when we live in a lie. That's why we have to be lovers of truth. I was reminded this morning in prayer, I sent it out in the video in our weekly email, that often great breakthrough is often preceded by great warfare. Or as uh, David Copeland says, unusual breakthroughs or unusual promotions are often preceded by unusual warfare. And I asked in the morning meeting before service, we have a prayer meeting, and I asked, I said, hey, uh, has anybody had warfare this last week? And they're like, no. And the people in there are like, the week before, crazy warfare. And that was the week before they got a prophetic word from the prophet. Interesting how the devil works to keep people out of the fellowship because the word of truth was going to come that would set them free. But they came, got the word because they resisted the warfare. Now they get to come into the breakthrough that the word equipped them for. Does that make sense? We got it. We can't. We can't. We can't be deceived by the devil's devices. But but if we're gonna if 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 we're gonna get free, we have to understand how the enemy works. I'm gonna quickly try to work through this so we can kind of get some victory. You ready? Spiritual warfare surrounds the beginning of new things. You see, the devil knows if if he can stop the new, he can keep your breakthrough anointing from threatening his kingdom. And so when new things are being birthed, the enemy starts to work up because he wants to distract you from the new thing. He wants you to come into his plan. And so, so in, 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 order, in order to defeat the devil, we have to break down these strongholds and we look to the life of Jesus on how to do this. Now, this is super important. Jesus fought the devil with clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. It's not just doing the right stuff. It's having our heart cleansed as well. It's not just not sinning with my body. It's not sinning with my heart. We read again in, in the Lord's Prayer, Luke chapter 11, verse 4. He says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not in temptation. Perhaps the cycle of sin that you might be broken in is tied to your unforgiveness. But I don't want to put anything on you. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want you to be under a yoke that God has not got you in. <clears throat> but is it possible? Is it possible the breakthrough you're waiting for comes right after you repent of gossip? 
Right, 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 right after you decide, I, I'm going to walk in forgiveness instead of bitterness. I'm going to stop looking for faults. I'm going to start looking for blessings. I'm going to stop looking for the enemy. I'm going to look for Jesus. Possibly you might be doing all the right stuff, but your heart is in a place that has a stronghold in your life that is keeping you from being kept from temptation. Is it possible in this new year, God is calling you to clean hands in a pure heart so that you can walk in his blessings? Here's how Jesus talked about himself in John chapter 14. He said, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Don't you want to be able to say that? The devil's got nothing in me. There's no room for the wicked one in my life at all. There's no sin among me. He's got nothing in me. That, that, that's, that's what happens when you walk with a clean hand and pure heart. The enemy doesn't have a place in your life anymore. You, 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 you keep forgiveness. Paramount. Repentance is part of your life. Clean hands and a pure heart. Because of this, the enemy couldn't occupy his will or his emotions. Jesus was free from the wicked one. Because he had clean hands and a pure heart. When we live with unrepented sin... We open the door to the demonic. When we live with unrepented of sin, we open the door to the demonic. Now, I don't know how this works exactly. Let me just be completely honest with you. I don't know exactly how this works, but unrepented of sin becomes a magnet to the enemy because we've given him authority in our lives. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know, you know, we all slip up. We all have times of judgment that we have to repent of. We all get times of bitterness. Things come out of our mouth or things enter into our heart that we know doesn't glorify God. I don't know how long it takes, but I know when you live in unrepented of sin, we give the enemy access to our lives. And the worst part of unrepented of sin is we start not thinking of it as sin at all. And we start to think that sin isn't even a big deal anymore. What I have found when I coveted it in my heart several years ago to pray the Lord's Prayer every day, I remembered, I realized, I recognized that repenting of sin was not part of my daily prayer routine. Until you read the Lord's Prayer and every single day you have to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. And you might say, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint saved by grace. Yeah, let's talk truthfully though. Positionally, you may have been forgiven of your sins and seated with Him in heavenly places. But in reality here, in the natural realm, you know that we all sin. We all sin regularly. We all fall short of God's glory regularly. And we need to ask God for forgiveness. As we continually ask God for forgiveness, we wipe away the place of the enemy in our hearts. We rebuke His authority. I know this isn't excited shouting things here, but this will get you free. This will get you living free. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 5. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Other translations say, be sober-minded. But I like this, be alert. Be alert. Be self-controlled and alert in the NIV. Self-controlled and alert. That, that, that means you're responsible for what's coming out of your mouth. That means I am aware of what I am doing and I don't blame it on anybody else. I don't, I don't blame my attitudes. I don't blame my behaviors. I own my behavior. And when it's wrong, I repent. We learned a couple weeks ago that God will never tempt you with sin. You're never going to accomplish God's will through sin. Ever. Ever. And if you sin, we repent. Then this is how... Because if we're not, the devil is at bay. You see the connection here? Okay, I hope you're getting this. Are, are, are we together here this morning? <clears throat> see, the, the, the demonic realm is looking. is looking for someone given to evil thoughts so they can destroy you. That's what he's looking for. He's literally looking for people who will allow their minds to occupy and rest in 
and revel in the demonic because there he has authority. I don't know how long it takes. I, I, I don't know. I remember an old preacher used to say, don't go to those psychics because demons hang out there. And you might catch one. So you might, you might fool around a little bit one time and not come away demonized. Or you might do it twice or three times. And you don't know the time that the demon finally says, now I have authority here. Now I'm moving in. Now I will now be part of your thought life. Now I'll be part of your, your self-identity. And now I have authority in your life. You don't know when that happens. That's why we need to keep a lifestyle of repentance. Amen. Amen. Come on, this is good stuff. I know this is going to get us free right here. Clean hands and a pure heart says to the enemy, you have no right in my life. When I live with clean hands and a pure heart, the devil comes around and he knows you can't. He doesn't have authority to live on the inside of you because the Holy Ghost is at work there. Watch this. This is what Paul taught Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. Are you guys tracking with me here? Are, are we going to get free in 2022 or what? I think, I know some of us, come on, some of us need a reminder, but some of us, this needs to be your message to the world. Some of y'all need to set some family members free, like, hey, you know, that judgmentalism, like, you might want to relax on that a little bit, because that's only pointing out your sin. That, that, the way you're talking doesn't reveal anything about anybody but you. Hello. Are you with me here? I'm feeling something right now. I'm feeling something. Watch this, 2 Timothy 2. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. This is talking about the elders in the church. This is Paul telling them, hey, hey, run your church here. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to his will. You see, we, we got we to gotta love. We got to love rebuke. We got to love correction. We got to love Holy Spirit telling us, hey, 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 that way you're talking. That, 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 that's not God. I know you feel, I had to, I had to, I had an argument with somebody uh, this week. I don't want to call it an argument. I was rebuking. They weren't listening. I'm in ministry school. What's funny, I'm finishing up my master's in divinity. And so there's a lot of young people in my classes. And young people know everything. You know, like I'm, I wish I knew as much as the young people in my class. I, I wish I had as much knowledge as them. People who've never been in ministry. You know, had, never, never taught the word week in and week out. Uh, they got everything figured out. And I, and I had to let them know, hey, hey, your culture may be talking here more than the Bible. Like, like your atmosphere that you were raised in is talking more than the Word of God. What you're saying reflects more about how your mama treated you than how Jesus treats you. Like this, this, what you're, what you're, this, this rebuke happy gospel that you got going on right now, that ain't Jesus. What you do, this, 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 is, this is how you were raised. Well, you got to, the, the Bible says he's do this. I said, um, I, I, I don't want to upset you at all, but this scripture that you're referring to was talking to elders. You ain't a pastor. That scripture ain't for you. You, you want to talk about having authority and you want to talk about people being rebuked. Well, here I am an elder bringing a rebuke to you based on the word of God. Do you love rebukes or do you just like to be in charge? And we need to figure this part out. Come on, somebody. Do you, do you really want the church of Jesus Christ to flourish? Do you want God's plan to flourish? Do you want the kingdom to cover the earth? Do you want people to come into the knowledge of Jesus? Or do you just want to be in charge? We got to figure these things out. Got Because the Bible tells us right here, if you don't get these hard issues worked out, you're getting other people demonized with you. Hello, somebody. Come on. I'm having a good time, Tracy. Am I doing all right? Okay, I'm doing good. All right. Zoe, we good? Are we good? She gave me a shrug. I'm just going to take it. I don't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we good? Oh, I hope we're good because I'm going to keep preaching. I hope you're taking notes. Put it in your life. Come on. And listen. Listen. Look at your neighbor. Say, he's talking to me, not you. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to me, not you. Right? Tell him, you don't got to remind me of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on me. You work on you. I'm working on me. You work on you. Amen? Hallelujah. Remember, remember, remember Luke? And remember, when, remember when Jesus went to the desert? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan, led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them He was hungry. Understatement. Jesus... Rebuke. Remember, 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 remember. He, the spirit actually. If if you look at the Greek, he didn't lead him. He forced him. 
into the desert. You ever felt like you've been forced into the desert by the Holy Ghost? Like you're looking back. I'm, 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 get, just get your heart ready. I'm going to talk to some of us right now. You're about to get encouraged in ways you don't want to be. Does anybody know that? See, I know some people have been through some trials right now. You know what I'm talking about. You ever look back and think, Jesus, did I miss it? Did I miss it? And you ask because you're in the desert. Did I miss it? Like, did, did, did I miss it? And I'm here to let you know for somebody, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's in for everybody, but for some of you, nah, the Spirit has led you into the desert. Because there's an overcoming that has to happen in your life, in the desert, that will not happen any other place. See, Jesus was in the wilderness with the enemy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Uh, and, and, and he came out. See, put, put this next point up. Jesus, Jesus moves in our lives with clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus came out of that desert, clean hands, pure heart, in the victory over the evil one. And for some of us, some of us, half the battle of following Jesus and coming into our call was getting rid of what we learned before Jesus. And we thought that happened instantly. No, no, you got saved instantly. It's been a slow process ever since to unlearn everything that we learned before that. But let me ask you this question right now before I move on. Have you, have you, have you repented of your sins? He, 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 he overcame the devil with clean hands and a pure heart. Is, 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 are you walking in repentance right now? Have you repented to the closest people in your life for having attitudes you shouldn't have? Are, are, are you being honest with the government in your finances? Are, are, you, are, you, are you lying in your business practices? Are, are you honest with people about your emotions and your behaviors? See, when you're in a relationship, sometimes you're like, say like, say like your spouse did like a level eight thing wrong, right? Because we judge these things, right? Like your spouse did a level eight thing wrong, and in response, you did a level three thing wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're not going to repent of your level three till they repent of their level eight. Is it just me or like, I feel like I've done enough marriage counseling to know. As if our level three isn't sin. And the goal here is not to get power over your spouse, but to be right with Jesus. And there's some people in here, and, and, and I know I'm talking, I don't know if you're online. I don't know if it's in my house, uh, meaning me. I'm not calling out my wife here by any stretch. That's not what's happening. Uh, but we, we need to stay right with God. Is there unrepentant sin in your life? Is there a lifestyle of sin that you have, have accepted as okay? I would, I would challenge you today, like, repent of that. Ask Jesus to forgive you and to wash you clean so you can come into your call clean hands pure heart, and resist the attack of the devil in your life. One way to know that you're filled with the Spirit is that you have a heart of repentance. That when someone challenges you to repent, you don't like fall apart and have a fit like a three-year-old. Like even when you disagree, like give it a week and think about it. Like this is what it looks like to be a Christian. I'm going to talk about this one briefly, but Jesus defeated the devil First, Jesus defeated the devil uh, with a clean hands and pure heart. But Jesus fought the devil through fasting. I'm not going to talk about this a lot because I don't enjoy fasting. But I, 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 in, in February, we're going to do some fasting. We're, we're going to fast because there's people that need breakthrough in our house and in our lives and in our ministries that are only going to get free through fasting. And we'll talk more about this later. Don't, don't, don't sigh too much on me. Don't get too upset. It, it, our flesh hates it. But for some, some reason... God honors it. And somehow the devil knows, man, things are breaking off our lives as we deny ourselves pleasure to seek God. But through fasting, Jesus overcame the enemy. Jesus fought the devil by declaring God's word. Can you say amen? Jesus overcame the devil by declaring God's word. You, you remember, and we talked earlier, I, let me show you something real quick. This isn't in my notes. I'm gonna, can we get in the Bible for a second? Is that all right? Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Let me show you something that's so important today. I never saw this before this week. I know some of y'all Bible scholars all know this, but <clears throat> I'm going to show you this this week. So Jesus, hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, hallelujah. So Jesus got baptized, got prophesied over. Father himself spoke over him. 
And then he got led into the wilderness, right? And there the devil began to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. Now, you can't be tempted by something you don't want. This is super important. Jesus had every desire to be king of king and lord of lords because that was his destiny. The devil tempted him with doing that through a false spirit. Half of your temptations are based on your call. I need you to hear that. Like some of you, the devil uses your call to greatness and he just perverts it as pride. And so you try to be nothing even though you're called to be something. That's, that's, there's something on that for someone. See, some of you like, no, I can't think of myself doing something that great. No, no, go ahead. Just do it without pride. Okay, so, so first, the devil tempts Jesus. In verse 3, he says, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Right? And then Jesus rebukes him out of the book of Deuteronomy. Right? He quotes Scripture to defeat the devil. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil does it again. He tempts Jesus again. Watch this. Therefore, if you worship me, it shall all be yours because the entire earth is Jesus' inheritance. Right? Right? And so the devil tries to tempt him, tempt him through a false spirit. Again, Jesus, who is God, could have just said, I squish you like an ant. Right? Like he just could have, I squish you. Right? He could have done that. But instead, right? He could have spoken and all, you know, and, and, and instead, again, he goes to Deuteronomy. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Now the devil gets it. Okay. Oh, 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 there's power in the word. So watch what the devil does. Then he led him to Jerusalem and he says, if you are the son of God, verse nine, throw yourself down for here for it is written. So the devil quotes the Bible. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they shall bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So now the devil's using the Bible. Well, whoa, what? See, in this day and age right now, there is more false use of Scripture to justify sin than I have ever seen in my life. See, all of a sudden, the devil starts perverting the Word of God, using it out of context, starts making it say things it doesn't actually say. To say, it's okay to sin. I found a Bible verse that makes it look like it's okay to sin. It's all right. I'm going to take this completely out of context. I'm not going to use the story of God and His holiness and His purity and how we're only supposed to worship Him. And there's been the revelation of the one true God. That has been the whole story of the Bible. The whole story of the Old Testament is there is one God. There is none like him. Worship him only. He wants to set you free. Walk in liberty and justice. I will be your Messiah to you and I'll protect you from the enemy. This is the whole story of the Old Testament. But the devil gets one little scripture and says, hey, according to this scripture, it's okay if you worship me too. But Jesus knows the word because he is. And so what does he say? It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, if you're going to fight the devil with the word, you better know what it means. You can't just get some, some, some Instagram quote and like now all of a sudden that means God's going to give me a house and a Porsche. No, no. You have to actually know the word of God and you begin to use this word of God as revealed to you in your Bible studies. Then all of a sudden the devil has to obey. Are you hearing me? Oh, I feel like that's a good word right there. Jesus fought the devil by declaring the word. Ephesians 3.10, it's his intent that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. The devil has perverted the word of God to try to come against the church in this day and hour. Have you seen all the bad media coming against the church these days? Are there some crazy pastors? Absolutely. Do you know in the United States, 90% of the churches in the United States have less than 300 people? The average church in America, 90% have less than 300 people. But all you read about are the churches that are the big ones that's all about one guy. And when one guy messes up, the church must be false. The enemy has set some people up to fall. Amen. Now, just to be clear, I did not say the enemy makes big churches. That's not what... I, and big churches are the devil... I get, no, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Are, are we okay? But the enemy, will, will, the enemy will let you succeed until he can get the most out of your failure. 
You're not fooling anybody staying in sin. Amen. We're almost done here. Are you good? Okay. Jesus resisted the devil through worship. Let me get the worship team to come on up. Should have done that a minute ago. Jesus resisted the devil through worship. Jesus, you know, we don't, we don't think about this a lot, but Jesus was a worshiper. Jesus was a worshiper. <clears throat> when you, when you, every time you hear about the disciples in Jesus were reading Psalms, Psalms were the songbook of the Old Testament church. They didn't read them. We read them. They sing them. They were, every time you hear about the disciples were doing the Psalms, reciting the Psalms, they were singing songs together. If you see Jewish life today even, they're singing, they're dancing, they're celebrating. I think we're going to do the first one. They were celebrating, they were singing, they are dancing. And Jesus is constantly singing the Psalms, even in the midst of His struggle. I'm, 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 I'm going to give somebody a key, and I want you to hold on to this. I want you to hold on to this. When you understand the power of your worship, now alone is good, corporate, something supernatural happens when you're with other people worshiping God that you get to carry into your alone times. But when you set a marker in worship, when you plant a flag in the midst of your desert season in worship, it means something to God. When you're in the middle of the struggle, when you're in the middle of the fight, and you decide, hmm, I'm going to worship right here. It does something to the devil. It, 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 it lets the devil know he has no power. Now, I don't have time to teach this right now, but there's a series of psalms that get sung on the Day of Atonement every year. And uh, among those is Psalm 22. And as you read Psalm 22, you start seeing the words of Jesus on the cross. And in Psalm 22, it talks about being forsaken. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, He was not complaining that God let Him down. He was still worshiping God in the Psalms. He is still singing praises in the midst of His crucifixion that God is good, that God can be trusted, that the devil has not taken his praise. I'll teach on that soon. I'm going to talk to our house right now. I believe that the Satan has attacked the worship of this house because he is terrified what's going to come out of here. The anointing and what God has historically done through this church in worship, I think it terrifies him. And week after week, we stand here and declare, God, I believe your promises. I believe what you're doing. And I believe that we're going to see a different kind of church come to pass here. Come on. Listen, let, 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 me, let, me, let me just really quickly say this. If you're saved, you're privileged. If you're saved, you're spiritually privileged. And the privileged have a requirement to share their privilege. If you're privileged, you have access that other people don't have. And if you're privileged, other people don't have the benefits you have. If you're privileged, biblically speaking, much is required of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And in this church, we believe that the privilege owes something to people who don't because Jesus, who was the most privileged, gave something to us. There was nobody more privileged than Jesus, and He laid down His privilege for us. I believe that the greatest days are ahead for us. I believe that the Spirit of God, as I was praying through this word, I was like, Lord, I'm feeling something on this, but I don't know. I need a sign. And at the end of worship, the Spirit began to move through this house. God said, that good enough for you? I said, yes, you are, Lord. Yes, you are, Lord. Deuteronomy 28, 7. 
the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you seven. I speak that over you today. I speak that over you today. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rose up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but will flee from you seven ways. Seven ways. Seven ways. Don't you let that call to greatness die on the inside of you. Don't you let that call to freedom die on the inside of you. You stand in the call of God in your life. But stand with me if you would. But I want to bring this back to the beginning. All of this victory is predicated on you being filled with the Spirit. Say it with me. You being filled with the Spirit. Say it one more time. Filled with the Spirit. And we're going to pray, Lord, Lord, would you fill me afresh with your Holy Ghost? Can I get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today? Can I get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today? Come on, lead us in song, fam. Hallelujah. 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 Your presence Come on. is in open door. Come on. Hey. We want you, Lord. Yeah, come, come, Lord. Like never before. Come on, sing it out. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Your presence Shake is in open
Listen, I'll hear you on the podcast and uh, join us for life groups. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.